Good evening, Patriots. And it's Friday, near the end of Friday, May 13th, in the year 2022. If you're on the East Coast, obviously you've entered into Saturday. We'll catch up with you soon enough. Make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. Make sure you're taking care of your rest and also just to enjoy your rest. And there's no better way to do that than with great products that feel good and comfortable when you sleep. And those come right from my pillow. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. And as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. I love my Giza Dream sheets. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products. And that's buy one, get one free at my pillow. You can head over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. That's our bards landing page. Use your promo code bards, B A R D S. If you want to speak to a real live human being, you can call a Patriot Pillow Counselor at 800 975 2939. 800 975 2939. Use your promo code bards and they will get you hooked up with some of the best deals they've had so far on the best sleep products around and no sleeping during the podcast by the way that's later stay awake you know i've i was getting ready for the show tonight and i decided in look go looking at all the garbage of the world i found a short clip here from monty python that i think prepares us all the holy hand grenade and the lord spake saying First shalt thou take out the holy pin, then shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. Once the number three, being the third number, be reached, then lobbest thou thy holy hand grenade of Antioch towards thy foe, who, being naught in my sight, shall snuff it. Amen. 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 Then we're going to throw the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> lobbest, lobbest thy holy hand grenade after you countest to three. If people have not seen Monty Python, time to catch up. It's good. Well, let's take a look at some things here because the world is kind of falling apart as we know it. Americans are using plastic to end to make ends meet as prices continue to rise. It's a headline from Thursday on Zero Hedge, and it's not looking good. More and more Americans, with interest rates rising, Americans will soon be paying more of in interest charges every month, and many will see minimum payments rise. The annual percentage rates averaged currently stand at just over 
Analysts say they may well rise above 18% by the end of the year, breaking the record high of 17.87 set in April 2019. So as we see people trying to make through this and using plastic, it's a, they're burying themselves and the government and everybody else is making sure to help you right along. We have to do everything we can at this point in time to help one another, making sure we're strong in our neighborhoods and leading the way, making sure we're growing food. That's important. Here's 18 signs that the food shortages will get worse as we head into the second half of 2022. And this is where thy lobbyist to thy hand grenade probably gets more real. Here we go. Number one, the largest fertilizer company on the entire planet is publicly warning that severe supply disruptions could last well beyond 2022. That's encouraging. The World Fertilizer Price Index has skyrocketed to, skyrocketed to an absurd heights that have never before been seen. That's in part due to a dollar that's collapsing. Remember this, most of this is being hidden. It is being reported that global grain reserves have dropped to extremely low levels. They're blaming that all on Russia and Ukraine. Due to the war, agriculture exports from Ukraine have been completely paralyzed. Interesting. The out-of-stock rates for baby formula in the United States have now reached 40%. Wow. I'm still trying to figure out how we got so dependent on baby formula. I'm really serious about that. In six U.S. states, the out-of-stock rate of baby formula has actually risen to 50% or greater. Okay, I, I don't want to act like I'm an idiot, but I thought mothers were supposed to nurse their children. How did we get into this baby formula problem? I mean, I, I was never raised on baby formula. So I'm not really clear what happened here. And it's it's just like, huh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. It's just another one of the signs of the times. Always looking for some easy way to get, I think, it's more has to do with like, oh, I don't want to be a mother. I want to have a kid I can drop off to daycare. Just outsource him the whole time so I can say I'm a mom, but I'm not really. Something like that. All right, next one. Searches for the phrase how to make homemade formula for babies on Google have spiked 120%. Good. That's independence. We are being told that this is a perfect storm as shelves become increasingly bare at food banks all around the nation. That's going to be a big one because so many people have become dependent on government handouts for survival. In Canada, more than 1.7 million chickens and turkeys have already been lost in recent months due to the global bird flu, bird flu pandemic. We call that calling the food supply. In the United States, more than, oh, here's a nice number. Now, Canada's was 31.7 million chickens. Keep that in mind. But not here. In the United States, more than 37 million chickens and turkeys have already been wiped out due to the global bird flu FDA-approved pandemic. Nice. Excellent. By the way, 
turkeys are running crazy up in my part of the woods, wild turkeys. I'm going to definitely go turkey hunting. Like I'm going to be going bear hunting and deer hunting and elk hunting and fishing. Something everybody should start thinking about doing. And get some cattle or get some goats or sheep or something. Get some chickens. Put them in your backyard. You can grow chickens in your backyard. Get chickens. The two largest reservoirs in California, Shasta Lake and Lake Oroville, have both fallen to critically low levels. I've seen Shasta at one of its lowest points. In fact, I was on Shasta Lake at one of its lowest points, and this goes way back to like 19, early 80s. I saw Shasta last summer. I had never seen it so low. That's what you get when you allow weather to be engineered by the lunatics that are running the asylum. Some communities in Southern California won't be able to make it through the coming summer months without significantly cutting back on their water usage. See, this is another part of their game. They've controlled the water supply since we don't. And so all they have to do is start manipulating that plus weather. So something to be aware of. Many of the largest lakes around the world are currently in the process of disappearing because of because they are rapidly drying up. Oh, now we're going to blame this on petroleum. You watch, it's coming. We're going to blame this on carbon output from cars and the results of global warming so that we will be forced to drive one of Elon Musk's new cyber trucks, which is, I just saw a video on that. It's the dumbest looking thing in the world. Many of the largest lakes, oh, I think I said, Yep, I said read that one already. Wildfires continue to absolutely devastate agriculture land all across the western half of the United States. This weekend, it was New Mexico's turn to be hit the hardest. After a few days of calm allowed some families who had fled wildfires raging in northeast New Mexico to return to their homes, dangerous winds picked up against again Sunday. This is last Sunday threatening to spread spot fires and complete complicate work for firefighters. More than 1,500 firefighters were on the fire lines at the biggest blaze east and northeast of Santa Fe. Hmm, Santa Fe, that's like a super uber liberal hangout, by the way. Which grew another eight square miles, two square kilometers overnight to an area more than twice as large as the city of Philadelphia. The only downside to that story is that it wasn't Philadelphia. <laughs> then our, then we would have had about half of our 2,000 mules erased too. That would have been good. We are being told that steak prices in the United States will keep rising in the days ahead. If you are relying on commercial steaks, yes. If you get yourself locked into some good contracts for food or you start raising your own, as a good friend of mine said the other day, he said, they may take my money, but I'll still be eating ribeye every night because he raises cattle. I love him. He's a great guy. Um, due to hail and frost, the Spanish apricot crop is going to be way below expectations. I didn't know that apricots were such a critical commodity. I'm, I was thinking something like worrying about protein and they're worried about apricots. I wonder what that's about. In Spain, the lar largest or latest forecast suggested production will not reach 60,000 tons compared or will not reach 60,000 tons compared with 110 tons in 2019 and 100,000 
tons in 2020 and 90,000 tons in 2021. So that's kind of a weird statistic. In other words, they're not going to reach their potential. In Murcia, where around two-thirds of Spain's apricot production is located, farmers in Mula River northwest regions have been forced to write off entire season following a severe hailstorm. Okay, but I'm still trying to get where the apricots are affecting us. I haven't got to that one yet. Overall, Spanish fruit production is expected to drop to the lowest level in 40 years. Kansas Senator Roger Marshall is openly warning that a horrifying worldwide famine is coming. Oh, wait, here it comes. The war in Ukraine has led to a worldwide famine in the next two years. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, Putin is the most powerful man in the world. Can you realize that? You realize that? That is so amazing. He has literally caused the entire world to collapse because he invaded Ukraine. I am my wildest dreams. I never imagined that the entire world's food supply would be disrupted because Ukraine, at the center of the the Kazarian Mafia and the Red Jews, was invaded. I never saw that one coming, ever. Anyway. We have a real issue coming into this world right now, and it is, it's, I think it's not going to change much, and it's going to be a big pressure. And I think that when we look at what's happening in our media and look at what's happening all around us with so many pressures for people to comply, I, I am literally, I ran into my first Ukraine person today. And I just really didn't have anything to say because I never witnessed somebody up close that really believed in the Ukraine narrative. Most of the people I talk to about Ukraine are pretty reasonable and we can have a discussion and I'll be like, nah, it's not what it seems. And they'll be like, Oh, tell me, you know, that's sort of, cause they're curious. This one is like hardcore, like F Putin. I can't believe he invaded Ukraine. I'm like, dude, oh boy, I'll tell you like how many vax and boosters did you have? That's what I wanted to say, but I was more kind than that. That, The point that we have here is a real issue with reality. And some, a lot of this in, and this is not, it's going to sound a little judgmental, but it's not really maybe kind of a little bit intended to be. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with religious maturity or spiritual, let me rephrase that, spiritual maturity. There has been such an effort not only to walk away from God, but to redefine what faith is. And we've seen this happen, this new age crap of hanging crystals off your ears and your nose and getting your nose pierced and, you know, like your lip triple pierced and sitting and chanting some blah, blah from Hinduism and taking a little sprinkling from Buddhism and then maybe find something in Islam that you want to add to these spices to your faith to, and then make sure and add like 15 more crystals. And suddenly you're in the higher wavelengths of life and you're going to transition to this other world. What's very interesting is how so many of these other faiths, and, and they're really, they're more like cults in certain ways, but how everything is built around escapism. I don't know if you've noticed that, but everybody is talking about like, and I play, even played that piece the other, I think it was last night, which is really kind of new agey, except I liked some of the things he was saying about 
the residents and what and implying that in terms of prayer. But the fact is that so much of what is going on is people are all talking about escaping. We're going to ascend to the 5D level. Those that can't make it are going to go away to the 3D. And I have no doubt that we're seeing a bifurcation of the world, but I think it's kind of interesting when you get into this. What I stumbled on the other day was actually rather stunning. And it was a discussion about 5D. And what was interesting is how they were, and this goes back, by the way, and I'll tell you where I found it, which are the strangest place in the world, was on the introduction to an old Twilight Zone film with Rod Sterling. And I bring this up because we're being told now, or you are being told, we are collectively being told by the New Age and One World Religion crowd, that there's a kind of this ascension going on into a 5D world. And I've talked about it here, and I've, I talk about it in my own terms about, you know, and I, as you would expect, I mean, I'm always going to bring this back to Christ and God, but I've even backed off on that terminology pretty significantly because it gets, one, too muddled, and two, when I stumbled on this the other day, it was a real eye-opener. Now, keep in mind that Rod Sterling did these pieces back in the 60s, and today in the, in the modern day, what was said in the 60s is exactly inverted today. And that's why my ears perked up. Because in this film, in this piece, which he, they were doing in the, in the Twilight Zone, which I believe was based on the film The Visitors of Old, in which The Visitors now, if you know, is a, a bunch of, about a bunch of lizard heads that come and settle in on Earth. But the original Twilight Zone was about a group of people, about an alien race that came to Earth, and they brought with them this book. And I'm just going to kind of give you the summary of it, and then we'll get back to what Sterling said in a minute. And the, this book was, it was titled, they translated the title, and they were handed this book, and they hadn't translated it yet the alien race, and they were offering all sorts of great promises of hope and future, and they said, to serve man. I think I I can see some people on chat have seen this before. This is pretty good. And when they finally translated it, they were loading everybody on. All these people were, and it was great to watch because if you see this, if you can go back and see this, it's so fantastic because people are making up all these stupid stories just like they are right now. In the in the You're watching the conservative and Q movement build up all these stories about the great future. Med beds are being flown in. They're going to be flown in all over the world. And we're going to be saving everybody. And there's going to be this fantastic technologies that are going to make everything better. All this stuff. This Twilight Zone was really important because it was doing, people were doing just that. They were making up all these stories about, oh, when we go and visit the alien world, we're going to discover that they've already solved the problem of, of conflict. They have no more fights anymore. They've, they have no more issue for money and they just on and on these things people were making up. But as the last group was loading on, one of the scientists races up and she's hollering, don't get on, don't get on. We've translated the book. She says, it's a cookbook for how to make, how to cook humans, (laughs) which I just love because the door shuts. They've already signed the contract 
and away you go. It's like, oh, what's for dinner, Fred? Me. You know, it's like, okay, so this is the whole point of this is there's this gullibility and there's this hopium stuff that people keep wanting to pipe in. And it comes, in my opinion, it stems from a spiritual immaturity. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't have this grounding in Scripture at all. And they've worse than that, they don't, they're not interested. They want to just believe that, well, there's going to be goodness in the world and it will come and take us away and we will ascend. And here's the catch on the kind of the bring it back home to the 5D thing. When you listen to the beginning of that Twilight Zone show, Rod Sterling talks about 5D world. And what is 5D world? The fifth dimension is the dimension of your imagination. And it's the controlling of your imagination, hence like meta. So I bring this up because today they talk about 5D being the ascension. Like we're going to ascend to a higher level. And I was sitting looking at this the other day and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the ultimate harvest. This is the trap. These people are literally preparing themselves to become dinner. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's like, you know, you almost need to get do that to people when you come out and go, um, I'm going to get ready to go to the 5D world. And you're like, how are they going to serve you? And you're, you know they're going to look at you like you're bizarre. It's like, what are you talking about? Are, are they going to serve you on a platter? Like, are they going to tie your legs up? and stick an apple in your mouth and serve you on a platter? Or are they going to make you into like mincemeat pie or something? How are they going to serve you? Or are they going to stew you down? This is typical of the way this world works is when people drift away from God and they, they have, so many have, and fortunately many are coming back. But to come back, it, it, it's, a, it's a big step. And really kind of like the internal gyroscope that we have within us, that guidance system that takes us back to God. I'm convinced that a lot of this has been deeply affected by the vax and the stress of this environment, which people, because of, again, they lack a relationship in Christ to bear, to be able to offset some of those burdens and to walk without fear. We have seen, we are seeing now the results of some of that. And it's, is actually on one hand, it's comical, but on the other hand, it's completely tragic to see the psychotic breaks that are happening across our nation. I just watched a video a little bit ago of a woman who is literally on a, a commuter train. She's a nurse. She gets into the train. She's got her mask on. And she takes out a roll of cellophane wrap and she starts wrapping a cage around herself, like using the bars so that nobody can get in. On another video the other day, we saw an older woman, if you saw this one, who uh, was wearing a mask, probably vaxxed. They're probably, these probably are all vaxxed. But you add to this to complicate the, the levels of stress of this fear. Fear is destructive, by the way. It is one way, if you can keep people in a constant state of fear, you will break them. And that's part of the MK Ultra, a, a little piece of the MK Ultra training. 
or indoctrination, or whatever you want to call it. So one woman the other day, an older woman with a mask and obviously are probably vaxxed, decided that she was going to fill her Tesla up with gasoline. I'm sure that went well. Um, in another video that's floating around, there is a woman who pulled up to the gas station, and <laughs> this one is almost unexplainable. She just took out the gas nozzle and started washing down her windows and her hood and her lights with gas. That's an interesting one. Uh, locally here, I think I told you this already in a previous show, but um, I pulled up the other day to get gas. It was last weekend, in fact. I'd gone up to to do some butchering, and I came back, and I pulled in to the gas station, and I noticed that there was a really nice GMC Sierra with an older couple sitting there at the island. The fuel door was open. But there was no gas nozzle in. So, you know, immediately I'm thinking, hmm, this might be a little bit of a wait to get gas because the, apparently the attendant, and I could see the attendant, was not entertained. And I was about ready to say something when I drove up because the last time I got out there, that same one of the attendants there had been smoking a little bit too much of ganja and was uh, not quite all, all present the whole time. But right away, an attendant came up to my Jeep. And so now I'm a little bit curious. I didn't say anything, and she just jumped right in it. She goes, oh, that guy next next to you, boy, he's not too happy. And I said, why is that? And just me being normally curious, why is that? And she says, um, one of our other attendants, probably the dude that was stoned the other day too, probably, but I can't prove that. But she says, one of the other attendants uh, decided to fill his diesel with regular fuel. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is not going to be a good day. And so they were trying to arrange a tow truck. And, I mean, I feel sorry for the elderly couple because they have to get them a rental. They have to take the truck in. That truck has to be completely drained. They have to clean, clean all the lines. They have to complete, clean the injectors. They can't start it because it will cause more damage. And that's about a $3,000 thing. Now, here's the deal. I can almost guarantee you that, one of a couple of things has happened. Um, it is likely that we are dealing with damage. I, I won't even say it's likely. We're dealing with damage from a high, highly stressed environment that has been complicated by lack of oxygen to the brain with the masks, and that's not making that up. I think we all know that's an established fact. And a, a world that has fallen apart that has left so many without purpose. And, and this is kind of the core of where I want to get to tonight because as we meander around in this world, God intended us to have purpose here. We weren't supposed to just be wandering. God has an intended purpose for us. We have gifts and talents. And unfortunately, in the, in the modern world, it's hard enough to find something that you want to do if you're... If you're young and you're coming out of school, for many people, there's been so much change in the world, so much press towards digital, and digital is such a worthless type of career to work in. When, you're, when I say that, like building things in the digital environment or apps or something like that, because nothing lasts. You can build something today and it's outdated tomorrow and you have to re just scrap it and throw it away. So there's, there's no legacy in what you build. 
I mean, even if you are a designer on the iPhone, what are you going to say? I was a designer on the iPhone 6S. And literally, I would be like, oh, what was that model? I can't even remember it. Or better yet, like, I'm the designer on the iPhone 9, which I don't even, I, that, that went in and out so fast because it was a flop. I was a digital designer on the Nokia phone. Wow. Excellent. It sounds exciting. Or imagine if you were a designer on like one of the old Sprint phones with the the Nextel Sprint phones. And had a push to talk button, which was a feature that nobody uses anymore. It's like, wow. Okay, what did what what's your legacy? And the answer is you have none. If you're in the world of electronics, your legacy is as long as the product can last. If you're lucky and you get involved in, say, like the camera industry and you're getting involved in, say, a Sony Alpha line or a Nikon or a Canon line, you might see a period of time, like if you were part of a a Nikon F2, that's a legacy camera. Everybody knows it, right? If you were a knife designer, that's completely different because that's a hard skill. But if you're in the electronics environment, you're... Your, your timing is it's almost all over. So we, there la- there's a lack of legacy in everything in the, elect- in the digital world. Now let's use knife as an example. If someone says to me, I'm a knife maker and I've made a Fairburn Sykes, I've made my own version of a Fairburn Sykes knife, I know exactly what type of knife they're talking about. I know I have a good idea um, of the, the art that went into that. If someone says to me, I'm, I do bushcraft knives, again, I have a general idea. If I do skinning knives, whatever they've decided is their design that they're doing. But that takes an amazing amount of work. And if you get one of those knives that's handmade, it's going to be around forever. Like if you have a Japanese sword, I mean, Japanese swords, you can buy Japanese swords that go back over a thousand years. Made way back, obviously, and still good enough to use. Imagine that, right? That's legacy. And that's a, that is a craft and a skill. So I think the real question is what is, how do we live in purpose? How do we live in purpose? There's an interesting quote here from Rumi. Our purpose here on earth to manifest the very nature of our spirit, which is touched by the spirit of God. I really like that. So I'm going to read a little bit here from a very interesting article that was up on the Epic Times, and I, and I just want to kind of frame this. And it says here, so often we live our lives drifting, getting by, trying to find comfort and pleasure, doing what we need to do, doing things out of habit, getting lost in the busy work, going through the motions, getting caught up in our thoughts, getting lost in distractions trying to stick to something, but then reverting to habitual patterns, dealing with one crisis after another, putting our fires and sweeping up messes, dealing tired, uh, dealing tiredness and stress and depression and anxiety, trying to keep our heads above water, trying to make ends meet, falling behind and getting overwhelmed, struggling and not wanting to face our problems, getting mirrored in a pit of never-ending tasks, 
losing our days and weeks because they all blend together. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And it goes on, it says, this is the human condition and it is beautiful. But what would it be like to live with purpose, to have meaning in the work we do and to structure our lives with the purpose in mind and with the most meaningful relationships and activities? What would it be like to live on purpose, to have intention to our actions, have a purpose to drive us to put everything we have into everything we do? Love that statement. To... The more we live on purpose and do our best in every single thing we do, the more meaningful our lives will be. So here's some thoughts. And I think this is a good, this is a good Friday night type thing. Because there's a lot of garbage, obviously, that we're dealing with. And the world is one big sewer pile right now when it comes to politics and education and all the governmental systems and the transition that the world is making. We've got Sri Lanka that it's literally in food riots, tearing its government to pieces, hunting them down. Iran's in a riot in riots today. India, the soldiers, there's a video clip came out. There was a company of soldiers that took the latest vax. 20 of them dropped dead of a heart attack. I mean, what we're dealing with here is a measure of evil across the world that's stunning. And it's, we're balancing that with trying to live in our walk with God. And so I have a challenge that I'll leave everybody with tonight as we go through this, which is seek to live on purpose and with purpose. I'm going to add that piece. I have built my life around a way that everything that I do in one way or the other needs to connect the way God wants me to walk. Everything, without question. And that list sometimes gets enormously, enormously long. In fact, I find myself many times having conversations with Father just like, I didn't get it done and I'm checking in to see if that's a rebuke or if that's just, I'm pushing you as hard as I can push you. And most of the time it's that, that when we open the door to let God come into our heart and to guide us into the gifts and talents and the purpose that he wants us to be here for, you have to be ready for what you ask for. And that flood can be overwhelming. And that list that you get out of it can be overwhelming. And our problem is that we often, we want to so quickly take on these things and we forget many times that what God is doing is showing us a grand vision and sharing with us the many pieces that we need to learn. I still have an outstanding goal in my life to be able to sail And really sail literally around the world. That's one of my big goals. Now with this COVID nonsense and this instability, all of that got tabled. But this is what I find so interesting about that. Because I sat down one day and in the process of developing this, and this was being developed through prayer. This goes back to about 2018. And I was actively involved in prayer with with Father, designing out this vision of wanting to sail the world. I did the research. I knew exactly what boat I'll still get. It's called a Hans Christian 33. And I started, as I dug into this and began to teach my, look at the, all the tasks, I pulled it apart. Like how many things do I need to know? I came up with this incredible list 
of everything that I needed to accomplish. And I was like, man, this isn't going to happen very quickly. And then COVID eventually, I mean, as I'm working in that pathway and then getting the podcast going and other things, then COVID hits. And of course, I, that just kind of got back burned. And it wasn't an easy one because I will tell you, I was very frustrated because that was one of my big goals, big, big goals. And so I kind of put that one on the side. Well, the other day I was going back through it and I was like, oh my goodness, isn't this amazing? Look how God works. Because with the redirection of COVID and then this looming crisis and measures of stupidity, that we're dealing with in the collapse of the world and the awakening of the world, we've all had to take a focus and go to building skills. At least I hope you're doing that. And that's really task and purpose driven. And as I started to go down the list of skills that I've gained and the tools that I've picked up and I'm like, wow, I've actually made huge headway on the list for sailing. Again, that's God to me. That's the way God works. So let's look at a few of these things here. And look at a process of getting to living on purpose. And I, I like these. That's why I'm sharing it. So I, the, what they list here is start asking some questions that opens us up to thinking about what is meaningful to us. So that's basically looking and, and doing an inquiry into your life. What makes you feel fulfilled? And sometimes you're going to be surprised at what it is, but don't this is I'm gonna I'm gonna add this little caveat. Don't get into this mode where if you find something that's fulfilling you and you're like, man, I want to do that, but I can't make any money at it, stop. You just killed it. Because God does not ask you what this paycheck's gonna be, and he doesn't ask you to seek out the gifts and talents that are gonna make money. God will provide all that you need if you're walking with him and trusting in him. Next, the next part here is start listening. And it's a great comment they add. They say, this is the part that many people skip. They might ask the question, but then not really feel they're coming up with a meaningful answer. That's because we have to listen. This is them writing this. And I totally agree with this. In silence and solitude. So we go out in nature and we walk in silence, no music or podcasts or audio casts, except you better listen to my podcast on some of the days. <laughs> Just kidding. Or sit in silence, ask the questions below, listen, and they're coming up, listen to what comes up, listen more and more, ask more and more. That's so important because that's the dialogue. That's the dialogue with God. That's, that's when we're sitting here, we're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to talk to Jesus, but we have to listen, not just talk. And so much of the problem and challenge that we have in prayer with, I, my opinion is that many people pray and it's a one-way thing. Father, this is what I need help for. I want you to do this. I want you to do that, blah, 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 blah. Boom, done, check, check the box. Up. Oh, gotta get to work. Gotta go make breakfast. Gotta go work out. Gotta go to the store, whatever. That's not listening. When we put something to God and we're putting it in our conversations, if we're walking with Jesus and having that conversation, if we're sitting and talking to Father, we have to take time to listen. Because if we don't listen, how, are we gonna, how is it going to get to us, right? And then the, the third point here is they say, take action to get clarity. Many people make the mistake of thinking they need clarity before they can put it into action. But that's actually the reverse of how it works. I so agree with this. 
I so agree with this. If you are compelled to do something and you have been, you've listened and you have clarity and now you're, you're, you're at least you have a direction. And now if you're going to wait for all that perfect moment and it's all going to come together, you're going to wait for a lifetime. Because in my opinion, what God wants to see is that we action on what he says, knowing very well that it's going to be a process. And the amazing thing for me in my experience is that as we live with God in these amazing places of living on purpose, God is experiencing it with us. And it's not just a defined direction. It's not like God's like, okay, you are going to accomplish these five things. And if you don't accomplish them, you fail. Quite to the contrary. Father's living with us and through us. And that a beautiful and amazing experience. He is, he is our father. And he's experiencing the world as we invite him in to enjoy this amazing experience that we have in this world. And to share it with us because we've invited him in. We've asked him to come to the table. So take advantage of that because things will change. You know, it's like building a house, if you've ever built one, or building a small building or building something out of wood. You start with a plan. And I guarantee you, I don't care how perfect you are, somewhere along the way, that plan is going to get a deviation, especially if you're doing custom work, because it always happens. In construction, they call it a change order. And I had one customer that had 150 change orders. Wow, I'll tell you, that was something. But anyway, another story. Change is part of it. And more than change, it's the adaptation that as we grow, we find our strengths that lead us places, and we will build on those strengths. And then Father will pull us over and say, okay, I want you to add this to that. It might be one of our weaknesses, but we're going to be able to work with this to build it up to make it, again, one of our strengths. And that's how we do things, but we have to begin. So let's just look at some of these inquiries that they have here, which I think are interesting. Take them or leave them, but I think they're good. And some of the questions to start in your process of living on purpose. What people have helped you in, in your work made work feel more meaningful than usual? What people have problems that really speak to your heart that move you to what you want to help? That move you to want to help? Have you done, what have you done in your life that felt most meaningful? And, it, and they add the comment, it doesn't have to be around work. Exactly right. What books have you read, videos watched, courses taken that really light you up? What have, what have you worked with people who really light you up? When have you worked with people and really, that really light you up? And, and that's in a good way, not like getting you pissed off. But that may be something too, by the way. That's not, don't, deny, don't avoid that. What has inspired you most? What have you inspired? And then the whole point of helping or living on purpose. Once you have a little clarity, you don't need very much. You can take some action. And here, listen to these things. I think these are pretty cool. Help one person. I love that. Help another than another. Helping a person is probably, and giving is one of the most powerful things you can possibly do in empowering. Write about what you learned helping them. Create something for someone. Give the creation to a few others. Launch something, be part of something, start something new. Each day, ask what one thing you could do to live your purpose out. Eventually, you start to have a bigger vision of what you can do with this purpose. Challenge yourself to make it even bigger. 
And then they add these last things. Now bring that vision into your daily life. Bring your bigger vision into smaller steps until you have a purposeful task to do today. Daily tasks, super important to focus on. Structure your life so that you are creating the space for the purpose. When I first started podcasting, and I had wanted to podcast most of my life, or at least a long time, because podcasting is relatively new in terms of, but I wanted, I was always interested in some sort of radio and podcasting. But when I first started podcasting, I, I did everything like by script. And I started that way, script, 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 script. And I would record it, and then I would edit it. It would take me a week to do one podcast. Now I'm doing 18 a week. So you grow with where God wants you to start. You grow from that point, and then God takes us to places and takes us into challenging places. So I was still doing edited podcast. I was up to about two a week on November 3rd, 2020. And when November 4th hit, within that next couple of days, and I did that night on the election night, I did um, some live casts. And I hadn't done live casts for a long time. Matter of fact, the last time I'd done live casts was back in, well, it was about three years prior, 2017. And I had really gotten away from live cast and said I didn't want to do anymore because I, and I do enjoy, by the way, doing a finished, edited, scripted podcast. They're fun. They're challenging. They, they take a lot of time to do. And you can get into some really deep research. But that's not what God wanted me to do. And I woke up one morning and, he, and it was basically like, we need more prayer and worship. And I'm like, all right, God, I'll do that. And so began one of the most challenging points in my life over the next six months. And if you all were with me at that point in time, you'll remember I was doing six shows a day. At one point, I even got to seven. I was literally, I had just enough time. I'd do a show, I'd do two shows back to back in the morning, and then I'd do a 10 o'clock show, and then we'd do a one o'clock show, and then five and nine. A lot of shows. But that's what God asked me to do. And I, I have the level of work and what was demanded was incredible. And that's where I've, I worked from. And then I've, I pulled that back and we've kind of reset now to where we have the three shows a day. And that's where I can manage that very, very well. In fact, I was thinking about it tonight, like how normal it is now to do three shows a day. And that's, but that's God guiding me. I want to be really clear. I'm going to finish these last points out. Structure your life so that you're creating space for the purpose. That was kind of the point of that. Bring practices to your life that help you work with the habitual patterns that get you, get in the way of purposeful work. So you want to get rid of those. And you want to work with, you want to work with the habitual practices so that they become part of something greater. And get rid of your obstacles is the point. Structure your life to support this purposeful work, med- meditation, eating, fitness, I'd say prayer, because roomy, this is a roomy thing. Uh, prayer, reading to get you in the most clear, inspired place to get to. Get to. 
One of the things about habitual practices, as we kind of start closing this up, when you start to want to do things, you have to find a way to integrate them in the flow of how you are. This is what I know about my day. I prefer to work out very early. But if I, when I try to hold to that, I typically miss it. And why? Because typically when I, I go to bed late and when I get up, the first thing I'm wanting to do is prep my mind for the shows for the day. So I've, I've discovered this about myself. I'm highly efficient in the morning of going over certain news items so that I can start processing what I'm going to do the three shows on today. I need that feed. So rather than berate myself, which is what ends up happening, if I miss my workout in the morning, I just change my workout time. So adjust the workout time that's a necessary habitual part of your life. Same with working in the garden. Adjust a bit so that you're not fighting yourself as you find the rhythm of your purpose. And then the last item here, do every single activity the absolute best you can. I cannot stress that enough. And it's the striving to be as great as you can be for Father. And it doesn't mean every day you will. And it doesn't mean that you are, are going to get it all done quickly. But when you're steady over time, you will raise up to that level of perfection that continually, it just, rate, the bar raises. And what you discover is God's right there with you the whole time. And I think that's the most rewarding thing because all of this ties so deeply into our relationship with Father. And when we're doing a, we're living on purpose and we're living through him, that conversation never stops. In fact, prayer and conversation are almost blended as one. And it's constant, and it's never ceasing, and it's beautiful, and it's like the most amazing and beautiful dance you've ever witnessed. I hope everybody has that. Just sharing you with some thoughts tonight. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we just come to you and just absolutely humbled by all that you give us and just the opportunities you set before us. And I think what's the most amazing thing, Father, is just that you're always there. You're always that perfect Father, always there to encourage, to raise, to to inspire. All we have to do is listen and trust. Tonight is just a, a prayer of just thanks. Just a big thank you. A thank you for being there. A thank you for inspiring. A thank you for giving that voice that we can hear. A thank you for pointing in the directions that sometimes we think we can't do, but giving us that little nudge to tell us we can. A thank you to giving us purpose here. Not the purpose of whining and moaning and bemoaning all the ills of the world because we know that's just going to be. But that greater purpose that just fills us fully, that pushes us to want to do more, that seek more, that make us end the day when we say, man, I wish we had 36 hours in the day and not 24. That purpose that lights us up in the morning when we get up and we We want to be up early to address the day and to be part of what we do. That purpose which lights the fire that 
makes us not even want to sleep if we didn't have to, or we work so hard until we just collapse and we're like, I can't wait to get back up. That's the passion of the love that you've put in us. And that passion is such a beautiful and delicate and amazing relationship in its beginning, and yet it's so full and robust and so powerful as we nurture it. We honor it. We thank you for it. We're humbled by it. And it just, it fills our hearts so fully to know that you're there. Thank you, Father. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, be inspired. That's what I, I, that's the challenge. If you're, if you're not eager to get up in the morning, excited about the day, and and I know everybody's got different family situations and personal situations, financial situations, but here's what I'm going to say to you, and I'm just going to share this as we close. A very, very difficult time in my life was 2017 to 2019. There was times I did not think I'd make it through. I was... At times, I could not have been more alone as far as physically alone. But the one thing that I learned through that entire process was the deepest, most humbling, most powerful, most beautiful trust in the love that Father had. In that process, I was honest with God. Sometimes I talk to God, and if people hear me now, they're like, You're going to go to hell for that. And it's like, no, I'm not. Because I, I remember the day and things were just falling apart. And I took a walk outside and I, and this is what I told father. I said, listen, I'm going to speak my heart. And sometimes my heart is coarse and sometimes my heart is full of love. And sometimes my heart is passionate and sometimes I'm pissed off and angry. But I'm going to speak my heart to you because it's the only way I can be true to you. And if I don't have that relationship, I don't have a true relationship with you, Father. And if that's wrong, then strike me down. And he's never struck me down. He's only raised me up. Be honest. Speak from the heart. Let him know who you are and learn who he is. Have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Our prayers are so important. And to me, prayer is such an important bridge of speaking truthfully, not just rhythmically, not just ritually, but truthfully. God is with us and he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But the most amazing part of all this time, everything that we are, everything that we're experiencing is because he wants us here. He needs us here and trusts us. So let's do our job. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. And do it with joy. Mission forward. Patriots, have a very blessed night. Have a wonderful Saturday. I'll see you tomorrow night for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
to hide from the rain. 